Well, good morning, Zohara. Good morning, Lucas. It's good to be in conversation with you. Thank you for being willing to do this. Well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, you know, I did jump up being the uh, <laughs> partial academic and started reviewing some of my papers that I've written <laughs> on this topic. Can't help myself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. I understand. I understand. Well, I, you know, first, let me say, you know, I think I've told you before that I always, even though I... We're friends, and I know you allow me to call you Zahar, but as my elder, I, I always like am tempted to say like Mother Simmons or you know some or Ustad Simmons or something, uh, some sort of honorific for you. So if I if I end up slipping into that, then you'll have to forgive me, especially in a in a conversation like this when you're 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 teaching me, you know. Okay. And I, you know, I'm so used to that, so it won't be a problem. Okay, Whatever. Okay. Either way is fine. Or Dr. Simmons, of course, as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, the I wanted to talk to you today in part because, you know, we've been in conversation before about the ways that people are, are struggling right now. Um, yes. People are, are out there and they're trying to do the work of, of social healing. They're trying to do the work of, of holding our, our, our government and our, our communities to account. They're trying to do the work of, of reconciliation in the midst of their relationships and their families. And, and, and they're trying to, to just stay alive and survive um, in the context of a pandemic and to stay healthy and well. And I know that in the midst of this and these experiences, people are, are tired. And I was just wondering, I, I remember in conversations I've had with you about um, your experience of just utter exhaustion from the movement years and the work of healing that you needed to do. And I'm wondering if you can just share with me some of that experience and what you felt like you needed to do to be well. Um, in the midst of everything that was going on? Well, um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. You know, I have, I'm not sure that I've learned a lot about that. I certainly went through a a breakdown right after Mississippi Freedom Summer, two years of that intense work in Laurel, and, you know, didn't recognize that I was, you know, really uh, about to break. And thank God Jim Foreman did recognize it and, you know, made me basically, because that's what he had to do, come out. And uh, I kept saying, I can't leave. I can't leave. And he said, well, you're no good to that community, you know, if you've had a breakdown, physical un or mental and so, you know, uh, he made me come out for a few months. And so that was, you know, sort of imposed upon me. The other time was, you know, when it really took a real toll on me was uh, into the third year of organizing the National Black Independent Political Party which, you know, I threw myself into full-fledged while having a job and being a mom. 
And so I wound up in the hospital. So that's, Mm. um, I had adrenal gland failure, uh, and they initially thought it was adrenal gland cancer. Mm. Uh, So that was a wake-up call. And, of course, that would have been in about 1983. Uh, You know, I took much more seriously after that the need to really take care of both the body, the spirit, and the mind. And I certainly, you know, had already met uh, my Sufi teacher, uh, Bawa Mahayadeen, Muhammad Rahim Bawa Mahayadeen, and, you know, had been introduced to a, a number of practices of the Sufis, And so I had to really um, get serious about uh, a practice called zikr, uh, which is the remembrance of God, as well as, you know, being uh, very strict about diet and uh, things of that nature. So I think getting older and wanting to stay as fit as possible mentally, spiritually, and physically, you know, has required me to pay attention to physical exercise, uh, certainly uh, dietary, in my case, vegetarianism, and, um, and also prayer and meditation, both from the Sufi forms as well as due to my daughter, introducing me to Buddhist meditation, uh, that is something uh, I've added also. Mm. So those are things, you know, that I am doing, have done to try and survive the pressures. Uh, You know, one thing that Sufism and Buddhism teach is sort of letting go, you know, staying at a distance inside while you continue with your work, but, you know, to really understand that you do all that you can do, and then you you give it to a higher power to uh, help you and those of you working for justice, because really, as a, you know, believer— to me, we're doing God's work, and this is the work uh, of all of the religions, as I understand them, so that we are, as Dr. King was noted for saying, attempting to build a beloved community. Mm. And so we have to internalize those teachings as well as work to change the structures of inequality, of racism, sexism, homophobia, you know, all of the things that we've been working against uh, to change in our society and our world. So it's the internal work of really centering and understanding that this is a much bigger thing than I can change, but that I can do my part. Right, right. A, a few minutes ago, you, you mentioned remembrance of God. And 
I'm wondering what sort of self-care and rest, how they relate to the concept of remembrance of God for you. Because I, I, I think I can m- make that bridge in the Christian tradition. You know, I, you know, there's this, uh, and you know, and also in the Jewish tradition, I, I don't know about Zakar and how that, how that relates to to self care um, with respect to Sufism and Islam. Well, you know, as uh, I had the privilege of teaching for twenty years. Uh, here at the University of Florida, you know, uh, Islam is also one of the Abrahamic faiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while certainly there are practices, you know, that are different uh, from what uh, we have in Christianity and Judaism, and, you know, it's for me as a person raised as a Christian and only um, converting to Islam in my early 20s, I certainly have a sense, you know, of both traditions. Uh, The whole idea of remembrance of God or zikr, uh, which is both a practice but an effort to internalize uh, the understanding that we are receptacles of God, wisdom, light, whatever a person wants to call it, and that we are called upon to affirm that and realize that. And so as the physical form is the receptacle for this light, this wisdom, one has to take care of it Mm. uh, so that this light, this eminence manifest through us and in our work that we do in the world. Right, right. Okay. So, I mean, I know that um, some of the awareness that you're describing is awareness that you came to um, after your years in, in the movement in, in, in Mississippi, with Mississippi Freedom Summer and, mm-hmm. and in other contexts. But... Can you talk to me about what that might look like in terms of spiritual practice in the context of activism and organizing? Like, what does that look like um, as we try to be in relationship with each other? An excellent question. And boy, I feel we are so challenged, you know, with regard to this because One of the things that I constantly see uh, amongst those of us who are progressive change activists is often, you know, how hard we are on one another, uh, how unloving, unforgiving, you know, we often attack one another. Um, And this, you know, this harms our unity, our ability to be successful. So I think, first of all, we have to start with the self. And so the self, the individual, certainly has to be constantly aware of one's actions, uh, how they impact on others, and do everything in their power to get rid of 
you know, the negative qualities. So there, there are two things going on. We're trying to change the world, but we have to change ourselves because mm. we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. Right. So we must change ourselves in order to change the world. And that means a certain amount of reflection, really having quiet time with oneself to uh, practice maybe a tradition or just to sit quietly and think deeply and reflectively about the work that one is engaged in. You know, I was talking to some Black Lives Matter young people a couple of years ago, and I was saying, you know, you really have to love the people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this was one of the things that attracted me so much about SNCC and the SNCC field secretaries, as we were called. You know, I saw such love for the people uh, that we were working with and organizing. And so, you know, to me, this is indispensable. Uh, we must practice loving our communities that we are seeking to organize uh, for change. And this is, I know it might sound sort of sappy, uh, but I, you know, this is a thing that I saw in Dr. King. You know, Dr. King had great love. He really did. Mm. He had love for the people. And that's what kept driving him, you know. Yeah. I saw it in Vincent Harding. Yeah. You know, deep, deep love. And even in secular people like Jim Foreman. Stokely Carmichael. Right. right. I mean, deep love. And Malcolm X, deep love, deep. And we have to practice that with one another in our groups yeah. uh, and stop, you know, hurting each other as we build within our groups a beloved community, as we work toward the larger beloved community because if we can't do it in our groups how can we do it in the u.s you know right right i was thinking about the fact that you know i know that um you know the selc organizers would sometimes stay in communities but th that was something like snick was really known for like moving in oh yeah and like becoming a part of the communities they were organizing Absolutely. You know, I was recently talking about my time in Laurel, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. There were just three of us, two guys and myself, and uh, we split the list up. If they lived on the same street, maybe one would stay in the car and one would go to one door and one the other. And it was my great fortune that the door that I knocked on was a Miss Eberta Spinks. And I was like, I'm wondering if I could speak to you for a few minutes. And she was looking me up and down, and I had on my blue jeans and my blue jean jacket, <laughs> which had become a uniform mm -hmm. uh, for uh, SNCC organizers. And she said, are you one of those freedom riders? And I was like, uh, yes, ma'am. She said, 
come in. I've been waiting on you all my life. Mm-hmm. And that was literally the beginning of the Laurel Project. I lived wow. with that woman for two years in her wow. home. Wow. I went to church with her almost every Sunday. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> uh, so, you know, these people uh, made us, I mean, we had to go to church. We had to live by their standards, you know, no smoking, no drinking, you know, that kind of thing in their homes. But they were willing to follow us to jail, to beatings. I mean, you know, it was really incredible. And the love that I developed for Mrs. Spinks, I mean, you know, it was, I don't know how you explain it, you know, and all the other people that I met and who became a part of the Laurel Project. Well, it's it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, Uncle Vincent, that Vincent Harding always used to try to help people understand the extent to which, like, the you know, the movement wasn't just, you know, it, it was a community that that produced Martin Luther King Jr. And that and there is a community that 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 moved this movement forward. It wasn't just a collection of individuals. It was the Mrs. Spinks and the yes. it was this it was something that. And and it was a it was a movement that was about transforming. It was a spiritual struggle to transform the soul of America. Yes, um, yes. It was so much deeper than what a lot of people understand. I, I'm reminded by one of the stories that that Uncle Vincent told me. Were, were you in Atlanta uh, for for Dr. King's funeral? I was not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I missed that. But I I remember. The stories about how his body um, laid in state at Sisters Chapel at Spelman. Yes, yes. And the way that um, you know, you know, Uncle Vincent and many of the others, other you know, sort of friends of Brother Martin, as he would call him, um, you know, kind of stood guard over the body, so to speak. Wow. And just the outpouring of love oh, that yes. that was expressed for him just the way that people would would just show up at all hours of the night just to say goodbye to someone who yes. they loved and who had loved them you know right, it was right it was also the ability the way he made them feel seen and heard yes and so i you know i know i i feel like i the love that was present in the movement and that and that and that sustained and and carried people forward i mean i'd I, you because of what was at stake, people were, you had to be committed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and they held you because they knew that you were also risking your life. Yes. Along with them. Yes. And, you know, uh, in the case of Miss Spinks, and she put up three of us. So uh, two white women joined me. We went from a two-person staff to 23 And we were scrambling, you know, trying to find homes for these uh, volunteers coming in from all over. And two of them moved in with me. So we shared a room. So, you know, we won't even. In and of itself was a crime, right, for y'all to be housed together like that. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so Miss Spinks, that woman sat up a lot of nights with a shotgun across her lap. Mm. With the lights out 
and she would tell us, now you all can sleep. I'm watching mm. and uh, I'm not letting anybody bust up in here. Not without a fight, you know. Yeah. So, you know, this is the kind of commitment uh, that these people made. And she had a husband in the house and a teenage son. And these were two white women, which could have gotten them lynched. Right. Uh, right. And yet they did it. And, 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 um, and it's amazing. the Mrs. Spinks. It's the Mrs. Spinks of the movement that nobody really talks about or exactly. honors or knows. And that's, exactly. you know, that's one of the painful parts of it, you know. And that's why I have to call her name yes. anytime I talk about the movement. Mrs. Eberta Spinks, you know? Yeah. Because, and I tell you, in terms of she belonged to uh, one of the most prestigious churches there, and uh, it was built by Leontine Price, who's from Laurel, Mississippi. She okay. sent the money back to build this really lovely church. Uh, it was the only one with, you know, made of brick. Okay. And so that minister was terrified of that church being bombed. And Mrs. Spinks was a member and she got those uh, sisters together and they told him, we're going to have a freedom school here. We mm. are going to have mass meetings here. Mm. This is our church. Mm. So he had to back down. Yeah. Because Black women are the backbone, were and still are, of all of our churches. Yeah, yeah. So it's so many stories that people don't know about the movement. Uh, and what, you know, people just want to focus on Dr. King, John Lewis, Rosa Parks. But, you know, this was a movement. This was the heart and soul of these communities that gathered together and put their hearts, their minds, and their wills into bringing about change. And so, and so I think what I'm hearing is that a part of what sustained you in the midst of that was, was community. Oh, absolutely. Was, was, was community and the love and being held by community. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was, you know, really often could get kind of funny, uh, laughing funny, you know, in the sense that, uh, you know, I'd have to say to some of the volunteers, you know, you can't do that in this community. You know, yeah, we respect how people live their lives here. You have to go to church with yeah. the people you live in the house with. Yeah. I don't care what your religion is or no religion. <laughs> I mean, <it's laughs> yeah, which is a hard, you know, that it in today's kind of context, that would be, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, different. that's a challenge. That's a, it that's was a, a challenge. It's a conversation in, in, in and of itself. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Mother Simmons, thank you so much. Oh, uh, thank you for this, and and I I'm I'm grateful for you know for for you. I'm grateful to have you in in my life, and I'm grateful uh, for your 76 years uh, among us, and uh, and all the wisdom that you bring. And so, thanks for having having this conversation with me. And thank you for having me. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, and I so cherish you. You give me hope. Because, you know, we're marching on 
into the sunset and we believe that we have young people like you who are continuing this work and that gives me great comfort. Thank you. Thank you.